When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Setting the new standard. What does that mean for the Philadelphia Flyers? Ryan Ellis' career might be done. And Sean Couturier, not as bad as we expected. Let's talk about it all right this now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 124 of Orange and Back Check. Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you are, you are rating the podcast on Spotify and Apple. As always, five stars. That gives us a nice little boost. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com if you want to contribute to the conversation. All on social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Orange and Back Check. All links in the bio below. We're almost there, Scott. It is almost the start of preseason, uh, the regular season. How much preseason hockey have you watched so far, sir? Um, maybe about five actual minutes of real actual watching. And like a line from Office Space, in a, in a given week, I do about fifteen minutes of real actual work. During the preseason, I do about fifteen minutes of real actual watching. If I'm not there, yeah. I, I mean, we're recording this Sunday night, and the game there's a there's a preseason game going on right now against the Islanders, and they're the team's losing two to one, and um, there's some already nerves racking because the offense is not coming along. They are uh, averaging at the time one goal per per game, which is very concerning. If this was like 22 games in to the regular season, uh, thankfully this is the preseason under a new coach. With a lot of missing pieces, some very key, including Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis, and even uh, Joel Farabee and the and the like. So it's it's easy to ring the alarm, but it it kind of rings hollow in a way uh, because of the circumstances. So it's very tough for me to get uh, into preseason. Like I'll watch from a, from a, a thirty thousand foot view just to get a lay of the land, who's playing, who's shining, especially like. Uh, one of the things you heard from Fletcher over the this past couple of weeks was you could see as many as ten young guys under the age of twenty four, uh, or excuse me, under the age of twenty five playing uh, on opening night or at some point during this season, which is an encouraging sign when you think about it. Until you see that the Flyers are still in <laughs> cap hell uh, for the time being, uh, so like it's very tough until about probably Tuesday when the second to last or even the last. But like we're not going to get no even know the full roster. We're talking about sixty seven, uh, a sixty seven man roster uh, in preseason. It's just too much, especially for guys that have no chance. 
literally no chance of making the, the opening day roster because of just where they are in their development. Like we already saw the first set of cuts where they sent back to their respective junior teams and all that. So it's just it's very it's very tough for the average fan let alone a podcast like us that are invested in the team like we are to be uh, that heavily freaking out or reactionary to preseason hockey is how I look at it. I'm in complete agreement. And don't mind me. I'm going, I've am i got some allergies going on, and I, I, my, I'm a little snazzly and stuff. Even with this rain. Even in rain, you're getting allergies. Speaking, of, speaking of rain, before we get into the Flyers, before mm-hmm. we, I, I need mm-hmm. to digress about something. Um, do you want to tell everybody where you were today? Well, I was at the Eagles game, mm-hmm. and um, I was there as early as, I think, 9.30 in the morning tailgating. Great. Braving in the elements. I, I, like, I had my full uh, gear. It was funny. I got the gear I brought, or I brought the gear that I got for our Iceland trip, my wife and I, back in April of this year and that saw more water today than it did in Iceland in April which is usually their wet season. Um so I digress. What's what happens when you have a when you have a tropical, you know, system over top of us? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's circumstantial obviously. Uh-huh. Uh so we went into the game, we enjoyed it. The Eagles go down 14 nothing, then they rattle off then 29 answered unanswered points and they win the game. Uh, however, I left early for the first time, I think, ever. Terrible. Like, naturally, I think I've left at the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter when they have clearly have the game in the bag and, like, there's no coming back for the opposing team and maybe the Eagles even have the ball. But this was the first time my dad and I just were like, F, like, forget it. Like, this is this is miserable. I, I'm leaving. <laughs> how dare you? Like, you can only deal with the rain for so long is how I dealt with it. And by the way, I was not, like, the only fan that did this. I don't think it's no. an indictment on the oh, fan base. It's a total indictment. Real fans don't <laughs> leave to beat traffic. That's what happens. You stick it out to the end, no matter what the score, no matter what the elements, no matter anything else, you stick it out. If people can stay Sounds during like that a guy. snowball in 2013, you can handle it. I was the at rain. that game. Yeah. I was at that and game stayed. and I stayed the whole and thing. And you couldn't stay in the rain when it was much colder? No, because the- snow and rain are completely different things. Like, that's that's a totally okay. different circumstance. Terrible. Snow was way more fun than rain. Yeah, rain's still fun, too. It's an experience. I've gone uh, kayaking no. on the Delaware and downpours like that. So don't tell me that's not fun. They had I couldn't get up and leave. I had to kayak back to the back to the port. So you know, I, well, mm-hmm. over the course of this mm-hmm. uh, uh, ep- this episode, I'm going to post a poll on our Twitter and say, "Is Bill a coward for leaving the Eagles game early?" Well, you got one vote yes already because I'm voting yes on that. <laughs> oh, anyway, I digress. You're not a real fan, so go back to that. Um, you know, you should have braved the elements a little further. If you can do it to tailgate, you can do it to actual watch the team. So that's just me. Whatever. I digress. Um, yeah. Moving back to where the Flyers at. And going back to your point about the preseason, it's very tough for the average fan already because of how, you know, the expectations for this team are. And, you know, after the Couturier news last week and now, luckily, it's considered week to week. But you know what? Ryan Ellis was also week to week last year. And look what happened to him. I think with this team, it's a little tough. They have to they have to see something before they get in, like. If they come in the first game and they win and people might, hey, you know, that they look pretty decent. They're a new coach, new team, you know, a lot of new players on the team as far as like the younger kids and stuff. You know, you might get some a little more buy-in, but with hockey preseason, it really doesn't matter until the puck drops on October 13th. I, 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 I understand where the casual fan is with it, but, you know, 
I look at it and people can consider, oh, they're not scoring any goals. Well, okay. First of all, you don't have your top center again. So offense is going to be at a premium for this team to start. But anytime that you get a new coach in and you're adding new systems and you're getting players to kind of figure out how things are going. I remember what Vigneault said a couple years ago. It takes till about Christmas to really get things going. The general rule of thumb is that you kind of get you teach the defensive systems first. You teach the, how to keep the puck out of your net, and then the offense will come later on. You do that with young players in development, and you do that with teams as well. Focus on keeping the puck out of your end, and then the, and then the pucks will come because then you can get chances and get the rush going the other way and do things like that. But I think with this team where they're at now, they might get off to it. So they might, if they're going to win games, they're going to be like two to one, three to two. They're really going to have to depend on, you know, their defense and Carter Hart because the offense is going to take a while to start clicking, especially if Kateria is out of the lineup for a couple of weeks. And to that point, like, do you, and you already alluded to it after we were told last season that Ryan Ellis was going to be week to week. This week-to-week basis and no need for surgery for Couturier reads to me that they just heard what they would. They got what they wanted to hear from the second opinion, which we knew they were seeing. Fletcher said that they were seeking seeking a second opinion on Couturier's back, which, as far as we know from all reports, even of uh, Anthony Sanfilippo's initial report of this back injury, they're two separate back injuries. They're not directly related. So, like... Either way, I have a huge red flag going up against Sean Couturier, who's already been in the league for 10 years and now just signed this huge deal that it extends you through the rest of the 2020s up until 2030. Like, I would not be shocked if we get another Ryan Ellis situation where, oh, he's week to week uh, for now. We hope to see him at the end of October, whatever the case may be. And then we get to the end of October, and then they're like, eh, we'll look at Thanksgiving. And then we get to Thanksgiving, and it's like, all right, well, we're going to give him a couple more weeks. And then by the point, by the time we're at Christmas, we're just like, this dude is obviously not going to be playing for the rest of the season. And that's where it stands. I'd actually, and I know we reached out to him, I'd like to talk to Anthony Sanfilippo about this and say, what do you say about this? Because it's kind of one of those things where, uh, they're saying it to contradict Anthony, who has been right on quite a few Correct. things over the Correct. last couple of years. So, like, I'm just inclined to instinctually just side with Anthony on this and say he's right, and they're just implausible deniability by saying, well, we got a second opinion, and we can just lean on that for the time being to buy some time. Because, look, if it's another one of those situations where you just announced that Ryan Ellis now – uh, might be done for his entire career of all things, which is a totally different conversation that needs to be had on, uh, like, these are, cl- this was, there, there's even distinction or d- debate on where this injury hap- happened when it came to uh, Ryan Ellis and did it actually occur before the trade happened and it was a missed oversight by the team doctors here in Philadelphia, which is a totally different issue. So, like, we're talking about a guy in Ryan Ellis that you were anticipating to be your 1B or 1A, depending on how you view Ivan Provorov, uh, on your top pairing. And now you're looking at a Tony D'Angelo and and Ryan Ellis, or excuse me, Ivan Provorov uh, pairing because Ryan Ellis's career is done. So, like, I feel like by this t- by the time we're recording episode whatever it is in Christmas, around Christmas time, or even Thanksgiving, we're saying Couturier is still not playing. We should just anticipate him never playing this season. I, I'm not going to go that far yet. I, I Listen, I 
I gen, I, you know me, I'm, I'm tend to look on the optimistic side of things. I think if, if, if Anthony's original report was about like, Hey, it could be a couple of months, could be the whole season. It could be, I mean, he only played, right. I think what, 20 games last season before he got hurt. So, yep. and if it's not related, that's fine. And it was apparently doing during strength conditioning. So, I mean, look, regardless whether it's a few weeks or a few months or the whole season, there's a bigger issue is that the Flyers don't have a top center. Now, no disrespect to Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is a fine center. Kevin Hayes is not an, a center that can play 20 minutes a night, he, or 25 minutes a night and be your top play driver and your top best two-way defenseman. He's just he's not that type of player. He never has been. Um, he can create scoring chances and things, but not going up against top pairings. Just he hasn't shown that ability to be able to do that. He can do it in flashes, but not over the course of an 82-game season. And then what happens is that what causes more issues about the Couturier injury is that it affects the entire lineup. And John Tortorella said in his press conference yesterday, he hasn't even really like, you know, he has an idea of what he would what, what it might be, but it not really as far as what lineup is going to be because there's still going to be a lot of tinkering. Because think about it this way: now you have you have a decision of okay. Now, if you if you had Couturier in the lineup, that makes Couturier your top, your one C, Hayes your two C, and then your three C and four C is a mixture between Frost and Lawton, or you know you work it out that way, or you, or you have Lawton as your three C, you move uh, Frost to the wing, and then you put somebody else as your four C, like a Tanner Lazinski, yeah, something like a Patrick Brown, yeah, Patrick Brown, like he's that. injured too, or or like Tanner Lazinski, something along those lines. But now that you don't have that option, Hayes automatically de facto becomes your number one C. Number two, see, you got to figure out, are you going to move Morgan Frost up? Can he play second-line center in the NHL level? I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's a big season for him. Uh, same thing for Scott Lawton. I think we've seen enough of Scott Lawton to know that, no disrespect to Scott Lawton, Scott Lawton's not a second-line center. Scott Lawton's more of a, you know, a third-pairing guy where he's more of a energy guy, more of a grinding guy, not a guy you're really going to have as your play driver. He's just not that type of player. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that kind of balance on your lines. But the issue that I find is that now you've gone and you're expecting like a guy like um, Couturier to anchor that top line and you figure out the wing situation. Now you got to do it where it's like, great. Now you got Kevin Hayes up there and you, now you're you're really weak in a position that you already were a little behind the eight ball on to begin with as far as depth goes. So um, I, I think that there's there's some problems here. That we're seeing, and you know, my big math. I got to go off and say that this team is going to make the playoffs, and I, I, I got to go to say that before before this news comes out. And you know what? Here's the thing: I'm still going to stand by my word because if Couturier does come back, I feel like that this team can still do some things once they get things figured out. And it's not a bad thing. And this is going to sound crazy. Yes, it affects them up scoring, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Couturier is out because some other guys are going to have to step up. And that's going to have like a player like Morgan Frost, who really this is a pivotal season for him, of Tortorella pushing him to get to the level that he needs to get to to be an effective NHL player. And if it's up the middle, man, that's a really good thing for the Flyers if he becomes an effective center for this team. So it depends on what happens. A lot of things have to happen from here, you know, up until what we find out, another update about uh, Couturier. But, you know, hopefully it is just week to week and it's, you know, maximum is 12. If it's up to 12 weeks, okay, three months, he's out till Christmas. I mean, it's good to have him back for the second half of the season. Yeah. And I, I do, like, I'm not saying that that's not a possibility. I just am leaning on the what has happened over the last year and a half with this team. 
really more than a year and a half when it comes to injuries. But for the most part, like I'm just using Ryan Ellis as the example. So like if you were to put a percentage chance on this, especially over the, the I will say, the optimistic report that the Flyers are putting out there where he's week to week, not needing surgery, is your prediction by Christmas like that we'll see him? Or is it kind of like a literally a week to week? Like you're just going to kind of roll with it and see where we are uh, October 9th when we record our next episode and just go from there leading up to the regular season uh, and hope that he's ready by Thanksgiving and then just go from there or where where your where's your percentage that he actually plays this season I guess uh I'm I'm, a, I'm, I'm honestly I'm gonna not I'm gonna say 50 percent honestly because mm-hmm. we don't know enough yet and listen Anthony is a spot-on reporter and that gives a lot of good insight and he's he's usually spot on with these types of things but at the same time too you know there is a second opinion that was out there as well so that's what I'm saying. It's like 50% chance. Like, hey, look, there is a chance he could be out for the entire season. We know he's out for a little while. If he's back by Thanksgiving, they think this team is going to be in good shape. I mean, think about it. You're, it's really just a month into the season at that point. Teams are figuring it out. You know, this isn't like the NFL. And, and I, I hate to always compare apples and oranges, but I really try to get people to understand. It's not like you have 16 of these games, and every single one is, is huge. You know, everybody says like, oh, like, you know, like this is a big game this week. Well, yeah, they're all big. John Madden said once, he said, I never heard of anything called a small game. There's never been a small game. But what the Flyers really need to focus on, it's really making sure they don't lose a lot of points in the division. So, like, that's the key thing. Like, if they can keep pace in the division, this team can keep their heads above water until Thanksgiving. And I think that after this team plays for a month under Tortorella, things are really going to start clicking for them. I Look, I've watched a lot of what John Tortorella says in his press conferences, and I'll tell you what, everything that I learned for, you know, to, 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 in the coaching world, he's right on point. And I'm like, man, like I, you know, just watching this guy, I'm like, man, like I, I really buy into this. Like this is, and it's, if you're a player, you, you believe it even more. I mean, you know, I know we're going to talk about the um, the standard, you know, here shortly. But you know, there's some things in there. I'm just like, man, like, you know, if you if he's not a guy, he'd go run through a wall for. I I don't know who else is because there's a guy there who just who has you feel that passion bubbling on the outside. He just he loves what he's doing. He love and I give him so much credit because he's so straightforward about wanting to coach the the mental part of the game and not so much the x's and o's and i love that the fact that he had him day one skating you know bag skated him for the first day of training camp the first couple days really without any pucks uh, that's that's the best thing i've ever seen i i mean when i coached i did that i no no pucks on the first day you skate you skate you skate so i think that's absolutely great i i think like and just to just dive right in like watching part one of that that series the standard on youtube by the flyers like it is evident he knows the reality of the situation and just like the fan base does like there's no sugarcoating what he sees the problems with this team what he can do to potentially fix it and just go from there but he is clearly a hundred percent bought into this team and this system now like you can divulge like different sections where they probably are going to disagree over the course of the season. And when I say that, I mean between torts and Fletcher and then torts and players. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is like, he clearly doesn't just have, as he says in episode one an an open door for his players, it's an open door for 
everyone, yeah. like front office wise. I don't know if Valerie Camilla, the the new CEO, basically the new CEO of the team, is going to be walking in his door to advising him. But Fletcher clearly is going to. The Flyers are going to be the the players are clearly going to be going to, and he welcomes that. He welcomes the back and forth of the 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 basically what the, what you see over the course of anything uh, uh in in the season especially in 82 game season to your point it's not 16 games we're talking about 82 games from October to the end of March and then hopefully we're playing hockey in April and seeing where we go from there so look i said it last week and we, I, i've said it really since the 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 failure to to land Johnny Hockey Johnny Gaudreau like torts was the top pick or the acquisition this offseason for a reason. And the standard is not just establishing the standard of the new Flyers culture under Torts. It's establishing the standard that the Flyers fan should be should be expecting with Torts. And if you watch season one or episode one of this, you should be excited. Like this is this is a good way for the team to be a, a, a re of uh connecting with the fan base that they've already made strides to do, but Look, even Tort said meeting with the media. I want to say it was like right before the first day of training camp, or right, right, right after. Like he's not talking about wins and losses. He's just trying to connect, reconnect with the fan base uh, on the current standard and and a, a team that identifies with Philadelphia. Now, what does that mean? Like you have to draw a connecting team uh, with this with this fan base. Does the fan base want to be resonated with, or can the team be resonating with the fan base at a successful level despite the injuries, despite the question marks, and despite the clear lack of talent that the, the fan base is used to over the last 75 years? Or 75, yeah, it feels like it. Si- since 75. Like, that's really what it c- comes down to. Like, can he do it? And I think Torts is the guy. Like, you can't do this with. All, all respect to him with him, like, yo, that we saw last year. As straightforward as he was, he didn't deliver the the, the it factor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what this team needs, and Torts clearly has shown it based on episode one. Well, you, you know what? You brought up a really good point about reconnecting with the fans there. I think the Flyers know, and I think that they have to know at this point, that they fractured a lot with the fan base. And there's a lot of bitterness out there by a lot of people about how they've been going. Yeah. And – Frankly, they they deserve it. Now, they really have not done the fans any favors, and they they've tried, and it's blown up in their face a couple times. And you know, but it starts off by doing something simple: listening to the the fans at the the season ticket holder things. Okay, that the uh, you know that's that's one part of trying to reconnect it. But you got to get them reconnected with the actual product, which is the players and and the team on the ice. This team has missed an identity that they haven't been the Flyers of old since Ed Snyder passed away. I mean, really, you can go back as far as, like, I think the last time we've seen a Flyers team that really connected with the city was probably 2012. Really. Really, 2012. You know, maybe... Because that was the Pittsburgh series, right. and then you kind of fell short in, against the Devils. Right. And, it, like, then then you kind of saw the, the, the collapse. I mean, that's really how you have to view it. Like, that was a terrible... Way to end it because you beat Pittsburgh in a in a hard fought series. I believe that was in six. Uh, despite the high score, I don't think it. I don't. Was that the series that no home team won? Like the the oh, the way team won every game. I think in in twenty twelve. In in the Pittsburgh Flyers. No, series, the Flyers won three zero in that series. Then the Penguins won game four and game That's five. That's right. And the okay, Flyers I'm thinking won of it. I'm game thinking six of it. with the shift. So right, um, right. You know. 
But either way, like it was it was a high energy and they just kind of viewed that as their Stanley Cup that year, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah. And then they fell flat against the Devils and yeah. that was kind of like and then sadly Ed Snyder passed away in the middle of that series or no, right no, no. before he, the he, series. He passed started. away in, in uh, 2000, 2000, I believe it was two thousand sixteen. It was two thousand sixteen. Really? Yeah, I believe it was two, right around the Washington series in 2016. Okay. So, but, Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I mean, right. they, right. that 2013-14 team was pretty special. I mean, when they brought in Steve Mason and, you know, they, they went on that run where they started off the season terrible. And then on November 1st, Ray Murray is fighting Braden Holpe at center ice after a 7-1 blowout. And they're, they're, that, that turned their season around. Um, you know, Lively like it's fire three games in. I digress. Not, you know, I need to go off revisionist history here. But. Really, it's been then since that era, since I feel like there hasn't been that connection with the fan base of this team really going all in to try to win a Stanley Cup and try to build it from the ground up. The Hextall years were, and I, and I, I really don't want to jump off topic, but I, this, this is where, this is where the importance of, you know, this is, this is a lot of what we're seeing now is a byproduct of the Hextall era. Yes, Chuck Fletcher has been the GM for being his fourth season now. So, but this is really the byproduct of the Hextall era because the the draft picks that he picked aren't panning out and they haven't gotten to that level and they've been mediocre. Now you had to re- restock the cupboard. So they've kind of been in a rebuild for a while now. The thing is, is that now you got to get these young players where you can't make the same mistake. You got to get a guy in here who's going to show an edge, bring that back to her personality, to have people know what it's like to play in, have these players know what it's like to play in Philadelphia, not play in the NHL, not play you know, not play in any other team in the league. What it's like to play in Philadelphia. And having a guy behind the bench like Tortorella, who's uh, he was very passionate, who's very can be brash at times, which is a good thing. It really is. He's going to tell you exactly how you feel. And no, honestly, he said in his press conference the other day about Cam York that he's all over the place. And he's been trying to work with him and stuff like that to try to get him, you know, because it's good to have him in here looking at this and saying, okay, we know what we got to fix here. We got to rebuild this entire culture. We know this. He already said he knows it's going to take some time. You know, he just asked that people stay with it. You, you got to have a guy that's saying, you know what? I'm on board here. Follow me. I'm going to get this shit done. That's exactly what Tortorella is doing. And I, I and this this city needs that because, yes, the, the, the Eagles are playing great right now. The Phillies are looking like they're going to go to the playoffs. The Sixers are a premier team. The Flyers... Are, 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 are the ones dragging. And it used to be like the Phils yeah. and the Sixers. The Union are a premier team. Like they're, they're, they're competing. They're one of the best teams in the in the Major League Soccer Conference. And I know, like, listeners, this, this podcast might not be fully invested in soccer like I am, but it's still, it, it's a fifth team that I've said, like, if the Flyers aren't careful, they're nipping at their heels in terms of uh, city devotion. Like, the Union will get a bit good chunk of the city devotion compared to the Flyers if they're not careful, and they weren't careful, and they've lost well, it. Well, and here's, and here's the key, too. Let's, let's, let's look at Philadelphia sports in general. And, for instance, like, okay, everybody still talks about the Broad Street Billiard, okay? Everybody still talks about the Legion of Doom, okay? Those were 50 and 30 years ago. That, that was a long time ago. So, people have remembrance of, they remember, oh, the good old days. They haven't been good enough for a while for a team to really be, like, memorable like that. You know, the Eagles, you know, it was always about Buddy Ryan and the gangrene defense until Doug Peterson coaches his team to a Super Bowl and Nick Foles becomes MVP, and that's that's lore. And that's, like, what the, what the Flyers did in the 70s. That's, like, for, like, 
the uh, I hate to say we're millennial because it's derogatory, but you know, <laughs> adults under forty. That's what this generation is going to remember. They're not going to remember you know that in the Phillies. So, but the point I'm trying to make is that th- this team hasn't given anything anybody to remember, and that and that's why they've they've gone under the radar for a long time. Is that the old fans like this isn't the Broad Street Bullies? That was the best days, and the fans the kid fans now are like they're not good. So why would I pay any attention? So that's that's what they need to rebuild. They need to rebuild an identity. And start to tour yeah. around. And, and that's why, like, the, the Claude Giroux discussion is always, is he really that good of a flyer? Like, the, the majority, I think, say yes, but, like, there's still that faction that divert and cut it, try and cut it away that make him look bad. I mean, I, I don't want to get into a Claude Giroux discussion. One of the k- kids that, uh, that certainly gained a lot of attention, obviously, Joel Farabee coming from his, uh, recovering from his injury, uh, from last season and tr- hopefully being ready for opening night. I don't know if that's the case. I didn't see much of an update. Maybe I just missed it uh, looking over everything before tonight. But, like, the one kid that caught my attention is and is was pretty heavily focused uh, was Tyson Forrester, obviously one of the first uh, kids drafted under, um, under uh, Chuck Fletcher's tutelage here as GM. I think that kid's going to make the opening night roster. Whether he deserves it or not is up for a debate. But, like, I mean, I think if there was not the shoulder surgery or the shoulder injury, and I'm sure I've said this before, he probably would have played last season. And it's just, unfortunately, like, because of that shoulder injury, he couldn't play this last year. If he's not on the opening night roster, I'd be pretty surprised. Even, Even for a guy like Tortorella, who's usually not, "Quote unquote kid friendly." He's kind of stuck, uh, not stuck, but like he's kind of being his hands being forced with the injury situation and just trying to plan out a roster for opening night. Well, I Tortorella said he's going to play the kids. He said in his press conference last week, and I love that because you you have a lot of talent here. Where the only way they're really going to sometimes develop, like yes, you go through the progressions, you're going through junior, you get experience in the AHL, and then you come up in the NHL. Sometimes throwing a kid right in the NHL isn't always the best thing. You don't see that. It takes them slow because they're they're learning how to become not only an adult, they're filling up their body, and it takes a while from the peak. Look at Sean Couturier. Look how yeah. long it took him to get his offense going and stuff like that. He was great defensively to start, but it took him a while to get his offense going because he was still growing. But a guy like Tyson Forster, who, yes, maybe he would have been on the team last year if, if he hadn't gotten hurt, but Tortorella's already said he's going to play the kids. At this point, you're trying to find an identity. You're trying to find the best players that are able to not just make you compete, but you're trying to build a team. And you have to look at this from a broad perspective of not just, hey, let's take the best players and we'll bring them up and put them on. you got to get the right chemistry, the right mixture of players. Like, you know, you have to have guys who complement each other. Like, apparently, you know, one of the real big, um, uh, what's it called, uh, big looks in training camp have gone to the Cates brothers. Like, Noah and Jackson Cates have been really, really, really good. And they're probably going to be on the opening rate roster, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, Morgan Frost is another one who's who's had to step up a little bit. You know, it, it, that's 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 a really – I've already said it's a big season for him. I have no problem with giving the younger guys a shot because if you know – if internally the organization's like, you know what, maybe things won't happen great this year. You know, we want to give it a whirl. But a lot of young players – They'll learn under Tortorella's tutelage. And I think it was Scott Hartnell who said when they hired Tortorella, he goes, I wish I would have him when I was 20. I would have been a much better player. And I think it's because 
you have a young guy coming in here, like for a kid, like a twenty-year-old, like Forrester, and then coming in in the NHL under a guy like Tortorella, teaching him the way that he needs to play, not that he should play, but the way he needs to approach the game and do all that stuff, and teach him like that. It gives him a sense of maturity, and it helps the team propel themselves into a different level. Meaning that the players are going to buy in, they're going to get better, they're going to learn, they're going to mature faster and play the game the way it, that Tortorella needs them to play it in order to be successful. And I think that that's important because they have not had that with coaches in the past. Wow. It wasn't there under Vigneault. No disrespect to Mike Yo. Mike Yo is very good at identifying, fixing things, but he's not a guy who, you know, would see like, hey, look, jump on my back. I'm taking this down the road. He's more of a guy of a collaborator. And, and, and this is why Tortorella is going to be good for a lot of these young players. So if he makes the opening night roster, great. Play all the young guys that you can, especially with Kateri out. Play him why I can now. And- yeah. And to your point, like what Tortorella can build outside of what, uh, I mean, AV kind of built it, built his own standard or culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, But like, as soon as it, had a crack in it like as soon as after that 2020 bubble uh collapsed and you lost to the islanders that year like that was it like the the players lost their candace with it they didn't want to buy in anymore and it took a full season and a half before you really were like oh crap this is this is completely failure a complete failure and that's kind of like goes to the point about i i don't remember i saw this quote by tortorella the other day that like they the team still doesn't know how to handle the momentum swings of a game and Tortorella just goes quote it is a concern like this has been a concern since the bubble like as soon as the bubble happened and they got knocked out and in seven games against the Islanders where they it was a hard hard fought series but like they really at the end of the day didn't belong there in the sense of like the Islanders play compared to their play. And then we had these high hopes and resets of expectations for the team going into the uh, delayed 2021, 20 or uh, excuse me, the 2020, 2021 season that really didn't start until January. If, if I remember correctly of 2021. So like it was just, it, it, they couldn't buy into it. And thankfully, like because torts knows it's there, knows what he has to do. And can swing into it like a bat out of hell and has these young guys that can buy into a system like the Cates brothers, like Tyson Forrester, like Lashinsky, even Joel Farabee, despite him being a more tenured young guy, still a young guy. Like he can, and I mean, his problem is just recovering from, from surgery. Same with Morgan Frost, like trying to get these guys back into the swing of things and back on the track of development. That's really what it's going to come down to because we know that they don't know how to handle a, move, a, 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 a momentum swing. They were they would be up one nothing, and there would be three minutes left. The team, the other team, would be pulling their goalie, and you knew that tying goal was going to come, and you knew they weren't going to win in overtime or in the shootout because that's just how the it was going to go. They didn't know how to play with the lead at that point, and that's why you're seeing the skate, 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 skate mentality because. You got to get the conditioning. You got to know how to. You got to know how to walk before you run. Basically, it's 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 really stripping this thing down to the bones and just building it back up. Now, unfortunately, it's just a matter of patience because this is going to be a slow grind, and we're a week, we're twelve days away from the start of the season, eleven days away from the season, and there's no hype. 
other than Tortorella internally or hardcore fan bases uh, portions of the fan base might be uh, excited about the addressing that Tortorella has with it. But like the, the common fan that might not listen to this podcast or any other Flyers podcast like Crossing Broad, Snow the Goalie or anything like Anthony, they might not be listening to the podcast until December because they just don't buy into the team. They're listening from a from a distance. They're following from a distance, and I don't blame them. Like that's the problem. And it comes down to one thing too: confidence. Confidence. Yeah, this team has had confidence in a long time. They haven't, and confidence is also a really dangerous thing. It can be work against you, really work for you. And we've seen teams in the past where they have a lot of confidence. They just know they're going to overcome it. I mean, the. The, the clearest one is when the Flyers came back down from 3-0 against Boston in 2010. But we also mm-hmm. seen it in, in years past as well where teams like they just didn't never gave up like 13-14. We saw a little bit of it in 1920. A lot of teams just never gave up. Like, you know, look at that the, against the bubble against the Islanders. They, they didn't give up. But something happened over the last two seasons where they just – once they got up and once they, they just never, they didn't have enough confidence. It's like they were playing fearful. They were playing, not, they were playing not to lose rather than play to win. And I think that that's a really key thing is like, you know, you need to finish out games. You need to play. We always talk about playing full 60 minutes, full 60 minutes, full 60 minutes. Part of that might've been conditioning too. You know, they might not have been skating enough. They might not have been in good enough shape for them to do that. You know, it's all about speed nowadays. And if you're chasing the puck in your own end half the time, you can't break out of your own end. You know, you know, it's very hard to get confidence that way. But confidence rolls. Once you start feeling confident and once you start rolling, things start working for you regardless. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just like, you know, as like a player, like once it gets on your stick, like, oh, I'm going to get a good shot off here. I'm going to create a scoring chance. Not like, oh, my God, I got to find a find someone to throw it at the net. Like, just the, the idea behind this whole, quote, unquote, rebuild of the organization is about reinstilling the confidence of the team, of the coaching staff, of the front office, and of the fans. And and, and that's that's yeah. the key thing. And once that once the fans start seeing the confidence and have some confidence, like, you know what? There's some bright spots here. They may not be quite there yet, but they could be very close. You know, like for instance, like let's go back to the early nineties when they traded for Lindros. You know, they weren't good the first couple of years Lindros was there. They didn't make the playoffs till ninety five uh, ninety four uh, to the lockout season in ninety four ninety five. They didn't make the playoffs till then. But they did, and they got to the conference final against the Devils, who eventually won the Cup. 96, they came back, oh my God, we're going to be well. And another year after that, 97, they were in the final. Yeah, they got swept. But you saw, like, people were confident for a couple years that they were contenders. They yeah. were t- they were confident until they realized they were in a choking situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's be real. I mean, it kind of was, but I'm not revisionist history. I mean, <laughs> kind of. Kind of was. I mean, they didn't choke per se, but they couldn't beat the left wing lock. But that's the point. Once you have confidence... That's what this team is sorely missing right now, and that's part of it. That's really what it it, 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 it like. It, am I going to be shocked if the team starts out six and four, seven and three, or whatever the, the however the record shakes out for this first ten games of the season? No, but I'm anticipating five and five, four and six, three and seven, and just build confidence by Christmas. Hopefully, like that's really all it can be. I wouldn't even look at their record for the first month. I, I don't really think it matters. I mean, your chances are because of just the way their line their lineup's going to be, it's they might be a little behind the eight ball, but this is where you really got to start looking at the little things. How are the younger players performing? How's the chemistry? Are they fighting hard? Are they staying conditioned? Are they pushing? You're like, are they playing well defensively? 
don't look at the scores of the games. Look at the little things in the game because there are a lot of little things here where we're like, oh my god, like a four nothing score, they got blown out. Well, not really. Maybe it was a three nothing game and some bad bounces happened the way, but overall they played very well. Just nothing went in their direction. It's it's going to be a beyond the box score type of analysis that we have to look into. Like that's really what it's come down to, and that's that's part of setting the new standard. Like that's really what this is about. That Tortorella is trying to achieve. And look, it's not an easy task. It's it's something. Be, I mean, thankfully, because he has these young guys, he quote unquote he has younger minds to mold and break into the system. Unlike uh, older veterans, but even older veterans that are looking for that are tired of the losing, that are tired of the shame that they have wearing the orange and black right now. Because if you, I think if you injected some of these players with truth serum, yeah, it's they don't they 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 hate playing. Now, I don't know if they hate playing the game right now, but they certainly are uh, disappointed in playing the game right now. Like it's not the professional the, athletes; they better be. Yeah, like they, they like it's really just a matter of getting the confidence back to you say that that you said and just getting them buying into the standard. Like you have to buy into this standard that Tortorella is setting, and that's really what it's gonna kind of kind of gonna come down to. It has to. And look, we're not going to know until October 13th. And we're really not going to know that night either. We're not really going to know what this team is really like until about Christmas. They might get off to a slow start. But look, there are teams that have started off poorly and then turned things around after the New Year or holidays and have gone off and done very good things. You know, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, Colorado got off to a rough start last year too and they wound up winning the cup. So, yep. you know, that's, that's it, don't look at the first month or two. Really pay attention once you're really into the grind of the season around the holidays. And that's when you really start to see the identity of a team. You won't know for a little while. So people are going to say, yeah, the Flyers suck. They're not good. They're not great. You know, they're getting they're lose. They lost like four or five in a row. Look at the little things. How much do they lose by? What do they do? Do they lose in close games? Or are they getting blown out? I don't think this team's going to get blown out. They're going to lose games just because they're not going to be able to score. And once that scoring starts coming, hey, maybe they are pretty good. Like, they... They're turning things around. They're playing responsible defensively. They're scoring a couple of goals a game, you know? That's what to look for. All right, that is going to do it. Episode 124, Orange and Backcheck. Make sure you are following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff at Obackcheck, uh, at Obackcheck on Twitter, at Orange and Backcheck Podcast on Instagram. The rest are in the bio below. Orangebackcheck at gmail.com if you have a comment for us. What's your prediction? We'll do a full breakdown uh, next week. We are back on our weekly schedule because we are... Right in the thick of it, we're going to be, uh, we are at the games this year. We're going to be up in the press box. Maybe we'll walk around the concourse level, get some, meet some, meet some, ba- meet some people, meet some, kiss some babies, meet you all. Uh, you look, meet you know, some babies? Did you say? I meant to say babies. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I was, I, it was supposed to be babies, uh-huh. but it came out weird. Yeah, it really came out weird. Meet some babes. Very. You're a married anyway. man. You know that? She can't. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> But we are excited. Like, we want to see you at the games. I know this is going to be a tough season. We'd love to meet you at the games. Maybe we can do a meetup uh, with some Orange and Backtrack listeners. That would be awesome. Orangeandbacktrack at gmail.com if you're going to be attending opening night. We hope to be there. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time. God, this cough needs to go away.